0: Cast. it's not about the corner office it's not about the fancy title it's not even about the extra money responsible leadership is about taking care of those who choose to follow you and that care takes on many forms this podcast is dedicated to bringing you the best guests with the best advice to help you succeed in that endeavor The Responsible Leadership Podcast is a production of The Leadership Phalanx. To find out more about me and what I do, visit leadershipphalanx.com. That's leadership, P H A L A N X.com. And now, on to today's show. All right, listeners, hello and welcome to this episode of the Responsible Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Earl Breon, and today we've got a, a return guest, Dr. Brian Smith. Uh, Brian, thanks for being with us again.
1: Thanks, Earl. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's an honor and, and a privilege. And, uh, you know, listeners, if you don't remember, back in episode 181, uh, Brian and I chatted about uh, being the I uh, in team and the individual advantage, uh, but as a refresher, what I want you to know about Brian is uh, he's founder and senior managing partner of IA Business Advisors, a management consulting firm that has worked with more than eighteen thousand CEOs, entrepreneurs, managers, and employees worldwide together with his daughter Mary Griffin, they've offered they've authored individual influence, find the I in team, uh, which, which shares how to become our best self with everyone we influence. Um, you know, with that, with your background being a return guest, I'm kind of, uh, really excited to hear if you have like a different spin on it, but when you hear the phrase responsible leadership, what does that mean to you now?
1: Well, it means it's more than just one thing, Earl, but responsible leadership is uh, most important being responsible uh, for the influence you have, whatever that influence is in each of our areas of influence uh, is different. But... There is no higher responsibility for any one person than managing and being responsible for that influence and how it affects the people around us. So as leaders, it's, you know, the people in your organization, the people that you serve as customers, your partners, and uh, you need to define that influence. But being responsible for it, making sure that it is beneficial to everybody uh, is what we think responsible leadership looks like.
0: Yeah, no, I like that. Uh, I like that answer a lot. There. Um, so just kind of again as a refresher for folks, uh, the last time we talked about your your book, individual advantage, be the I in team. Um, can you give a kind of a quick refresher on on that? What is what is the individual advantage? and What does it mean to be the I in team?
1: Yeah. So, and we're, you know, we we're going in reverse order. Uh, what your listeners may not, uh, know is that be the I and team was actually our second release. We are re-releasing our work with a bit more information, uh, getting it caught up with, uh, COVID and things like that, that has affected influence, but, uh, finding the I and team or individual influence, our, our whole body of work is about finding who we are, what has influenced us, and makes us what we are today, understanding that influence. And when we do that, we have individual advantages. We have the advantages to take advantage of opportunities that face us. And when we find our influence and then be our influence, we can move us and everybody around us that we have influence over, uh, or with forward in the same direction that we are hoping usually to go and choosing to go.
0: Mm. Yeah, no, I, uh, (laughs) I like that. And, And I think people really underestimate not only the power of influence and, and all of the things that make us who we are, but I think a lot, most people severely underestimate the influence they have on, on folks around them. Um, and I like to share a story. You, you probably remember it. Some of my younger, uh, listeners may not, but, um, do you remember the, the, the dream team, the, the first Olympic basketball team where NBA players were able to, to participate in Olympics? You remember that? I do. Yes. So you probably remember, uh, there was a big incident where uh, Charles Barkley elbowed, I want to say it was a a Slavic player like in the chest. And there was this huge uproar about, you know, showing bad sportsmanship and things like that. And um, when he was interviewed and some, one of the reporters like mentioned something to him about being a role model and the influence he had on children around the, the globe, he basically said, well, it's not my job to be a role model. That's that's the parents' job. And I remember hearing that thinking like back then, obviously it didn't register, but when I, I understood influence and and how we project ourselves out into the world, the one thing that I came to realize, I'm really kind of curious your take on it is he didn't get to make that decision. Right. It's it's up to the people watching him as whether they want to be influenced by the example he set, right?
1: Well, to a certain extent, unless what he's doing is trying to persuade, which is a form of influence. So, but you know, the premise, what you're saying is right, and I agree with that very much. Um, you know, Earl, I saw uh, something in in this line of thought just the other day um, at a coffee shop, and it said, "Today you could be standing next to someone trying their best. So please remember, whatever you do, do it with kindness in your heart." Because yeah, you never know what your actions, and actions could be words, uh, a simple smile. You never know what that's going to do. There was this this uh, white paper, and I wish I had it referenced better because it just came up in conversation the other day. There was this white paper about uh, potential suicide victims. And I call them potential because they had committed to killing themselves. And the only reason they change their mind is because somebody smiled at them prior to it on the same day. And that simple smile influenced them to change their mind and go in a different direction. So we never know the power of our, uh, of what our influence can have. And that can go the other way too, with negative behavior and, and negative interactions with people.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, um, I, I remember seeing something about some research like that being done before. And I remember there was uh, uh, a, a, a very powerful video. I'll have to see if I can find it and, and put it in the show notes there. But uh, I kind of showed that that concept, you know, it was just a kid walking down the street, smiling at somebody. It was like it was showing the ripple effect of what just that smile had uh, had done. And, and I think it was at another kid, you know, it was back when cyberbullying and cyberbullying still a thing, but it when it was uh, kind of full focus in the media. Uh, this kid, the premise of the video, this kid, like what you just said, Brian was, had set on uh, committing suicide that day, but this other kid like smiled at him and and derailed the whole thing. Uh, but I, I think that's powerful, right? I mean, it's, it's an extremely powerful concept. And, you know, when I talk about responsible leadership on the show, and this is one of the reasons why I was really excited to have you back to talk about individual influence, find the I in team is we really need to, and that is why I love your work, what you and Mary are doing. We really, really need leaders, not managers, not executives, but we need leaders in all levels of organization to really grasp that power of influence. And I got to ask 18,000 uh, folks, how how successful do you feel you are? Uh, maybe successful is not the right word. I'm sure you're very, really good at what you do, but how easy do you think it is for people to really get that influence piece, what they're doing on a daily basis, how it ripples out from them?
1: You you know, um, I love that word ripple. I'm going to circle back later with that Earl. Um, But, you know, uh, I didn't do a very good job of uh, explaining what our, you know, our company's name is individual advantages and uh, and. This book, I point out that even Renee uh, was confused oftentimes over the deep meaning of what our uh, company meant. Renee's my wife of 30 years, by the way, which is why we're on this trip. Um, Anyhow, uh, we had a lot of difficulty because I would give the long uh management consulting answer to you know what we were and it wasn't as clear and concise and funny enough as simple but as as you know as we work with people and we get feedback and we communicate more and we see how our communication influences others uh, we learn especially if we're listening and our message got uh, clearer simpler and people started to understand it, and I don't know how many, um, but my philosophy is if I get to change just one in a positive way, that I'm a success so i'm I, everything after that one is a bonus. love it,
0: love it. And and again, you touched on something very uh, that I think a lot of uh, leaders do. I know I did it when I started leadership phalanx and and didn't do a very good job of a with my southern accent pronouncing the word phalanx. Everybody kept thinking it was leadership failings, and I'm like, well, you know, you're you're not right, but you're not wrong either. You know, we (laughs) talk about leadership failings a lot, Um, but yeah, I mean, and it's that that simplification process that we go through, and and to that point. you you talk early on in the book about slowing things down, right? I mean, that's chapter two, slow down. So wh- why why was that a focus there? Why is slowing down important?
1: Yeah, uh, s- slowing down is our biggest chapter. And the reason it's our biggest chapter is it's one of the most important actions that we can have that can re-engage us as humans. And I'll give you an example. Um, uh, how many people can tell you, you know, in detail what is between uh, where they start and where they end in a daily commute or a walk um, or anything like that? Look around and just watch people as they move throughout the day and you'll see people that are going very fast from point A to point B quick thought processes, quick uh, actions, you know, we're all in a hurry and it's all supported by this new technological uh, foundation we live in. You know, we have computers in our back pockets, our phones, uh, there's computers everywhere. Um, you can QR code information now. You don't have to ask somebody for uh, their name, you know, they'll just hold up a QR code, and you've got their name. And slowing down is re-engaging with your environment, re-engaging with your area of influence, um, having situation awareness of where you're at. And the reason why that's so important takes us right to that ripple effect. So we have responsibility over those ripples, so that they don't go out. And do something that uh, creates unintended consequences um, that uh, we weren't expecting or don't want to have happen.
0: Mm. I, 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 as you were talking there, and I can't remember if we talked about this uh, in our last discussion. Um, but, but, are you familiar with the concept, uh, Colonel John Boyd of the Air Force, kind of popularized called uh, the OODA loop?
1: Um, I'm not intimately familiar, just it, on the surface.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of what you're talking about there. So those who aren't familiar with it at all, UDA uh, stands for observe, orient, decide, and act. And and basically the, the principle behind it is, you know, we're always kind of what Brian was talking about there. We're always making observations based off of our past experiences. And I know you talk about this later in the book, biases. Uh, We orient ourselves to that observation in a certain way, positive, negative. Maybe we just don't care about it. Then we make decisions based off of that orientation. Um, And then from those decisions about, you know, is this a threat? Is this uh, safety? Is this your friend? Is this foe? Is this me or other, you know, all those sorts of things. Then we make actions and each one of those cycles you know, again, we use ripple kind of ripples out and it influences other people's OODA loops. And you start this cycle over again, which is why it's called a loop. You're always in this observe, orient, decide, act cycle. Um, but you, you said a key thing there because when most people teach it, when you know, to law enforcement, the military, even in, in the corporate world, they talk about, Hey, you can use this to quote unquote, get inside the other person's OODA loop and make decisions faster. And what John Boyd really wanted people to do was what you just said, slow it down. Ask yourself questions at each step. Why is this the thing that I observed? Why did I take this orientation? Why did it lead me to this decision? And why was this the action I I came upon? And that was how you kind of, by slowing down, you sped things up. You know, the military loves their little slogans, right? We've got the, uh, slow is smooth, and smooth is fast. And so, when you had slow down here, like all that stuff came flooding into my brain, and I'm like, "Yeah, this this is what we're talking about." So, I really loved that chapter, Brian.
1: Yeah, it's it's my probably my favorite chapter. Uh, it's either that or the new bias chapter that are my favorite chapters because uh, you can't understand bias without slowing down. You just blow right through them, and so. Um, But so much hinges on us living in the present and being able to make good decisions uh, that uh, are supported by our past influence, not by our current, you know, need for speed reactive environment that, that all humans live in today.
0: Yeah. I mean, well said. I mean, well, let's go ahead. We can we can always like come back. That's the great thing about these discussions. We don't necessarily have to talk about the book in order, but since we're there, let's go ahead and skip to uh to chapter seven and talk about bias because you said a key element right there that I think most people don't realize about bias is like you know, we get bias and racism or bias and woke and and those words like kind of conflated with one another, but biases really are intended The intention is to help us speed up the decision-making process, right? So how can we slow that down, like overcome that mechanism of biases, supposedly helping us make quicker, better decisions, but we know that we kind of get lost in. How can we slow that down?
1: Yeah, well, I think one is just understanding what bias is and not uh, falling trap to what the media tells us it is or it's supposed to be Um, there are three different types of biases earl and you know there's uh, the conscious bias the unconscious bias and then the subconscious bias and um, they're very subtle but very clear differences obviously a conscious bias is something i walk into a room and say i am biased against x you know I don't like those types of seats, so I don't want to sit here in this restaurant. Or, you know, I don't like this type of food, so I'm not going to eat at this restaurant. And then there's subconscious bias. Subconscious bias is biases that are almost instinctual, but if we slow ourselves down, we understand where they come from. My sister uh, is biased to corned beef. And she, the reason she's biased to corned beef is that when we were a child, she was served corned beef about the same time she had the flu. So she got sick. And so she doesn't like corned beef because she thinks that, you know, it makes her sick. It didn't have anything to do with the corned beef. It had to do with she had the flu at the time. Right. And that's a weird example. But when she slows herself down, she can understand where that bias comes from. She actually now realize, as well, it's as from when I was sick as a child. She didn't remember that through her teen years and stuff. It was just, it makes me sick. But she was able to pull that nugget of information back out. And then there's unconscious bias. An unconscious bias is something that you can't explain why you're biased to it. You just are. And there is no explanation, even in deep thought. And a lot of those biases come from societal uh, uh, biases. In other words, you were born into it and you were raised that way, and it's always been that way. And there is no defining moment that uh, triggered you or pivoted you uh, into that bias. It's just a part of the fabric of who you are. And we think it's important to understand those biases because then when you do slow down, you can challenge yourself if those biases move over into the bigotry or to the racism uh, uh, areas of behavior. And those are two very different types of behaviors also. But if our biases are, are not negative, they protect us. Uh, they, they keep us uh, out of trouble. They move us in the right directions. They take us into places that we prefer to be uh, that enhance us and create better advantages for us as humans. Yeah. No,
0: I mean, again, I love that, that breakdown there and it's, it's, it's such a fascinating, uh, subject area. And I really wish that more people, and, and, you know, again, this is just a great reason to grab the book, if nothing else for, for chapter seven, uh, to really get into that. You do a good job of breaking down those biases, like you just did what those are. And, and, and especially those unconscious biases. Um, there's a gentleman, I want to say he's a professor at Harvard. Dr. John Barge uh, wrote a book called Before You Know It, and he talks about a lot of these, and and it was, and you've probably seen or heard of this study where uh, they analyzed um, college admission interviews and found that you're more likely to get accepted to a college if your interview is on a day where it's nice and sunny outside versus if it's rainy and cloudy. Um, just because, you know, the, the bias for a nice sunny day puts people in a better mood, uh, with rain and cold outside that influences your decision-making. You're never going to really realize it. But there's a ton of data that shows like something as simple as as that is influencing your decision making on a daily basis. And, you know, again, it comes back to, to the word, right? Influence.
1: Influence is everywhere. You can't get away from influence, can you? No, no, you can't. And, you know, on that on that study, humans are so funny. One person's, you know, nightmare is another person's uh, happy dream. You know, you wake up in the morning and there's a blizzard outside. One person looks at it as an opportunity to go and play in the snow. And the other person is thinking about how long it'll take them to get to work that day. And and, and it drives their uh, uh, behavior, uh, not just for a moment, but potentially for a whole day. And as you just pointed out, it could change decision making your decision-making process on something as important as college admissions, just because of the weather.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and to that point, uh, you know, uh, Brian kind of mentioned earlier being on a trip uh, there in Hawaii, celebrating the 30 year anniversary again, congratulations on that. Thank you. Uh, but uh, you know, I live in Indiana. My listeners uh, pretty much know that. And we had a gentleman who moved, he'd spent most of his life in Hawaii working at Pearl Harbor base there and moved here. And everybody was asking him, you know, Hey, what's Hawaii like? How's this? You know, do you do a lot of surfing? You know, all those stereotypical type of things. Right. And finally one day he goes, you know what I think? He goes, stop asking me about Hawaii. You know what I think when I, I think of Hawaii traffic, that's it. No waterfalls, no whales, no surfing traffic. And it was like, wow. Yeah, you're right. We, we see Hawaii through this great lens because we don't live there and deal with it. He sees it as traffic. Um, And and that is such a powerful point to make because, again, it goes back to those influences uh, that we've had through our lives. Um, If you haven't dealt with it here in Indianapolis, that's what I tell folks, traffic. Um, You know, so, and and you being in and around Chicago, I'm sure you hate traffic even more than I do.
1: You know, I don't get that much traffic, Earl, because if I go into the city, I try to take the train. (laughs) <laughs> but there you go. your, your, your story makes me laugh. Cause I get asked that about coming here to Hawaii and I always equate it to Los Angeles. And the reason I equate it to Los Angeles is because of the traffic. <laughs>
0: yeah. There you go. There you go. Uh, well, Brian, I think this is a good spot for us to, uh, kind of take a quick commercial break here and, uh, we'll come back on the other side and we'll keep talking about individual influence. How does that sound? Sounds great. listeners here we are uh we are back on the other side of that commercial break with dr brian smith and we are talking about individual influence find the i in team uh, before the break we talked about a lot of stuff we covered slowing down and then we uh, talked about biases quite a bit um but i'm going to kind of back up because we skipped ahead there uh and again listeners definitely go get a copy of individual influence it's updated Got new information in here, so even if you've got a previous copy, you're probably still going to find something uh, something useful out of this that that has been added on. Um, you talk uh, in chapter four, and I love that you give this question: "Who am I?" And I think that is such a key question for people to to ask themselves. Uh, you know, the, the terminology that, that I use here at the Leadership Phalanx is is introspection and improvement. But I think it's kind of the same thing here is, who am I? What is it that makes me tick? What are the, uh, well, let me ask you this. Like, what are the questions? What are the processes you put people through to be able to answer that question? Who am I?
1: Yeah. And, you know, humans are so complex, Earl, that uh, it's a, it's a, one of the tougher chapters, but I, try to make it fun because I uh, am a tad self depreciating and bring in stories about my journey of finding out who am I. Um, But we talk number one about what makes us, you know, most distinctly human, which is our ego and understanding our ego and what drives our ego. And as humans, we all have one. You can say I don't have an ego, but the fact is, is we all do. And we teach this method of self-reflection or looking in the internal mirror and uh, being able to, in your way, not in our way. We that's one of the things about our books that I'm really proud of is we don't tell you how to do things. Uh, we give you uh, ideas on the best way to be uh, self-reflective, and we show you ways that it worked for me. But then we also talk about ways that it works for other people and understanding our roots and, uh, where we came from, what influenced us. Cause you know, we teach, I am an accumulation of every influence to this very moment right now. Uh, I'm a different person than when I went to sleep last night, even my dreams could influence me. Um, so, Uh, understanding those roots back to as far back as you're comfortable looking. And we understand that uh, self-reflection can be painful. We understand that self-reflection can bring up things that we don't want to think about. And if you find yourself in those situations, you need to go and speak to somebody more professional than a book um, about those things. But they're important because they influence who you are. But then the big question is is who do you want to be? You know, uh uh are you where you want to be right now? And if you're not, understanding what gets in the way of where you want to be and one of the things we've learned and uh is that we deceive ourselves, we get in our own way. Um, Self-deception is one of the biggest barriers that humans have. We create these roadblocks for ourselves that tell us or believe what others tell us that we can't do something. Uh, We can't be something. We're not supposed to be in this place or that place. We're not supposed to do this or that and and I'm not talking about, you know, walking down the wrong street or up or a one-way street or or not I'm talking about life choices. We can be whoever we want to be um and it just takes focus and it takes belief in ourselves and then having clarity um uh about that and some, you know, intuition about uh am I happy or not happy? Being honest with ourselves, um, being truthful. The person we lie to the most is ourselves. So um, having that intuition about ourselves can lead us past the self-deception. Having that understanding about our roots, uh, where we've been and where we want to be and where we're at today can really help us understand our advantages as individuals and create those opportunities for us individually to, to make those places a reality.
0: Mm, That was, that was gold right there, folks. I think you need to uh, rewind that a little bit and, and listen to that segment again, because I mean, you started out right out of the gate talking about ego and 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 run into that all the time. I don't have an ego. Well, you know that's that's a little bit of hubris right there, trying to think you don't have an ego because, like you said, we all have them. Uh, it's there. There's no denying it. But you know, again, that that roots in, in self reflection, and I will agree with you 100. Uh, percent When you go down that road, uh, being a veteran, dealing with a veteran suicide epidemic, a lot of folks, uh, you know, dealing with with PTSD issues that that you know. I was a peacetime veteran. I I didn't go to war. I didn't play in the sandbox. As we say, I can't imagine what those folks are going through. Uh, I can't help. I can listen, but I can't really help. You need to find professional help. So don't be afraid to do that. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of, Hey, you realize something about yourself and you need to get the professional help to be able to deal with it. Like, like Brian was talking about. Um, but, but, I think the other thing there that, that I want to, you know, really hone in on is that ability to lie to yourself. And I love that you brought that up because that's something I I talk about a lot and, you know, get a lot of people talk about how self-aware they are. And, you know, I just tell them, say, you know, look, if you think you're so self-aware, tell me how confident you are that your breath doesn't stink right now. (laughs) Uh, You know, and like, it's literally right under your nose, the, the sensory organ, meant to define what stuff smells like, and you can't tell me the breath coming out of your mouth right under your nose is good or not. Uh, you, you're going to think it is because you can lie to yourself, but somebody else is going to tell you, no, you, you need to take a tic-tac there, buddy. Um, but it's that, and and it's it feeds into, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, because I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on this, but I think that is also
1: at the root of imposter syndrome, right? Yeah, I think that's true. Um, you know, we, uh, understanding, well, our perceptions are reality and, uh, we follow up that chapter or who am I with our foundations chapter for a reason. And, uh, but perceptions reality. And if what we believe in our minds, if we believe we smell good, uh, then that's, you know, what we, what we think, if we think that, uh, we emulate how somebody acts because everybody likes that person. um, Then we'll act that way and we'll take on those traits and uh, we'll ignore all of the negative aspects of that behavior because of what we perceive people uh, or or society to like or dislike. So um, yeah, we, we lie to ourselves all the time. And cause we're the easiest to do that too. Um, funny enough and oddly enough, all at the same time.
0: Yeah, no, a hundred percent. It is, it's weird. You know I mean? It's just a weird phenomenon. You know, you, you put on that pair of pants and they're too tight and obviously the pant shrunk. You, you didn't get bigger. The pant shrunk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> funny how that works every time that way. Right. Um, So, yeah, I mean, you know, you you talk about foundations uh, a little bit there, and I think that is a great chapter, but I want to, because we're kind of closing in on time here, if you don't mind, because I really, I love, you know, it's in the title, Individual Influence, but I love the the chapter on individualism, right? And and I think that is a very important concept for folks to really understand what it is and, and why it's okay to be an individual even though we spend, you know, the first 12 plus years of our education kind of getting beat into a conformity mindset,
1: it's okay to be an individual. Individualism is, is a good thing, right? It is. And, you know, one of our missions is to redefine individualism and in our world and hopefully in everybody else's world, uh, sometime individual will mean this individualism, uh, is incumbent on the individual being the best they can be. And while that sounds selfish on the surface, how could we ever be our best selves for others and give our best service to others if we are not first our best for ourselves? And our definition of individualism is one to many. I am we. And if you go uh, to my LinkedIn page, people say these aren't pronouns, I will just argue and say, well, you know, in today's world, I can be whatever I want. My pronoun is I, we. And I oftentimes use the phrase we, when it seems like I'm talking about myself. And that, Earl, is the other side of individualism to us. And we have a little I, myself, one. And then we have what we call the big I, which is myself and many. So whenever I am acting with one to many other people towards a common goal, we are individual, one unit of of, uh, one group of people working towards a common goal. And individualism to us is this uh, weaving back and forth of single action, one to many actions, single action, many action. And when we're doing that in a positive way uh, that includes having accountability, individual accountability, singular and as a group, uh, being consistent, um, thinking about the respect that we might earn through our actions and our consistency, um, having situation awareness uh, about what we're doing and understanding the ripple effect of our influence, then we become responsible influencers and individualism becomes activated and society will grow from that. And yes, we're going to have people that still need to be singular and uh, held to higher standards and have different levels of accountability. But it is in the spirit of moving us all together uh as one in whatever that area of influence is at that moment mm.
0: yeah i again love that and and I, I i go back to boot camp uh with that uh you know that was the first thing that they did and i love the fact that you said we uh we were forbidden from saying i me or my um, everything was we, or if we had to refer to ourselves, I still remember thinking it was kind of silly at the time, but like if you needed to use uh, the restroom, we call it a head call. You had to request permission and you had to say, uh, this recruit needs to make a head, a head call, sir. You couldn't say, I need to go to the bathroom. You had to use that specific terminology and it was what you just said, right? There was, and, and the only time that you were allowed to use I uh, was if you were taking accountability for something, I messed this up. I did this right. You couldn't use, I, um, you know, in in really any other, uh, in any other venue. And it was, it was that, it was, you're still an individual part of the whole. Um, and, and, and I like that, that, you know, you kind of came to that same conclusion because, I I think that helps people a lot to to realize that, hey, I can be me and still part
1: of a bigger group, right? Yeah. In fact, the bigger group needs you to be you and needs you to be your best self so that as part of that bigger group, you're giving your best self to that group and then that group can be its best self or best individual together. So the fact that they're relying on each other to support each other and they being the bigger I, the team and the individual, it's so important that, uh, to reach best status, it requires little I individual best self to get the biggest of, of the whole thing.
0: Love it. Um, all right, so I'm going to go ahead and skip ahead here to uh, uh, to chapter nine. Uh, now, folks, we've skipped around quite a bit here. I promise you, we haven't even really scratched the surface. There's so much great knowledge uh, in individual influence. But I, I just love the title of chapter nine, Using Individualism, Small I, for Individualism, Big I, The Ultimate Oxymoron why
1: is that a an oxymoron well i think it just flies in the face um i'm going to be uh we're going to talk about the one but the one we're talking about is the one right so um <laughs> except the one small eye is me but the one big eye might be my family or our company or my client's company and so uh it's this play again it's kind it's not really a play on words like the i and team is um, but it's this understanding um, that uh, the self is the most important so that the team can be most important and that without that type of connection you just don't get true uh, individualism in our, um, in our definition where best self makes best team. Um, and you support all of the best selves. And part of best self, by the way, Earl, is not grabbing glory. It's doing your best, but it's doing it in the best way that you bring with you you support with you, you get behind even sometimes those other people, those other small eyes on your team, and you're moving them forward at the pace that needs to be done uh, to make the team the best. And that pace may require a person to slow down or speed up. That pace may require a person to do more or do less. That pace may require uh, an individual to have more, or have less accountability or responsibility, but it's all done in the spirit of best self, best team.
0: Yeah. No, I, as you were, you're saying that I was, I was reminded of the old saying, you know, uh, a rising tide lifts all ships, but uh, you know, the one thing that, that kind of stuck in my mind is, as you were saying that is, uh, but we've got to take time to make sure all those vessels are seaworthy and patch up the holes before we try to lift them. Uh, Otherwise you're just going to make them sink and stick to the bottom of the uh, bottom of the ocean as the tide comes in. Uh, So I, I like that. I like that a lot, especially when you put in the distinction at the right speed Um, because it's, it's not right. I mean, it's, it's not the same speed for everybody. Not everybody comes along uh, at the same pace and, and having the, the the emotional intelligence, if you will, to, to be able to identify that and, and adjust is is kind of a critical piece of all this. So uh, I appreciate you making that distinction there. Um,
1: yeah, and that doesn't always mean first. Um, right. You know, one of the things I think that gets, uh, and don't get me wrong, winning is great, okay? Uh, being the first of something is it, it feels good. But if we are reaching for heights that make us the first uh, uh, in whatever it is that we're trying to be the first in, you know, the first company to market, the most efficient uh, department, uh, the, be- the best company in our industry. But if we're doing it at the expense of people on our teams, then um, uh, we're not winning. We are leaving people behind.
0: Oh, yeah. Wow. No, you just sparked a whole nother hour discussion right there with that. But unfortunately, we don't have uh, <laughs> we don't have that time. You, you've you got uh, Hawaii to get back to there. Um, but but I love that. I mean, I love that concept. And, and I, it is so well said. And it's so true. And, and I hope people just kind of digest that. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll have you back on in the future to, to go down that road, because I think it is a beautiful concept there that uh, what you just said. Um uh, but on that note, we've been chatting here for a little over uh you know, closing in on 43 minutes here, and it is this time has just flown by, Brian. I really uh, appreciate the conversation we're having here. Uh, but is there anything that you you really want to leave listeners with uh that we haven't had a chance to cover yet?
1: Well, I think I always like to leave these conversations, Earl, with uh this one thing. Uh everybody matters. Everybody has influence and it's your responsibility to understand that influence and it's your responsibility to manage that influence. But I don't care what you do in life. It doesn't matter at what station you're in, what position or job you have. You have impl- influence. You are amazingly important and that you deserve to be treated well, for that influence. So, uh, never forget that as a human, that's who you are, and that that should be what you should strive for is having the best positive influence you can.
0: That is perfect advice. I love that there. Um, you know, Brian, folks want to find out more about individual influence, they want to find out more about individual advantage. They want to find out more about what uh, IA Business Advisors is doing. What is a great spot for them to go uh, find all that information out?
1: Well, for our company, IA Business Advisors, it's IABusinessadvisors.com. And we have this great new website that our team just put out. And I'm I'm so proud of our team uh, for that. And then uh on amazon is really the best place to get our books uh individual influence find the eye, and team is available there and hardback on kindle also we have a great audio book matthew kelly is our uh reader for that book and he has an amazing voice that just makes it comfortable to listen to and then we're on all the socials earl you know linkedin facebook twitter uh and instagram you can find us under Uh, IA Business Advisors or the I in Teams series. And you can follow us. We publish a lot of uh, content and push it out for you to use uh, with you and your teams on a regular basis.
0: Love it. Thank you for making all those resources available. And listeners, as always, you're going to have links to that in the show notes. So it's just a click away. So you have no excuse to not uh, go check out these things, make sure that that you make it happen. Uh, Brian, again, thank you so much. Um, I, 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 think it's kind of interesting that, that we get to talk during these life events. Uh, listeners may remember that, uh, uh, when we chatted back in February, your, your daughter was, uh, getting married. Uh, now you're on your, your anniversary trip. Um, Who knows what the next conversation is going to bring or what you're going to be doing. But all I got to say is thank you for taking the time. Tell your wife I said thank you for letting me borrow you while you're uh, on your anniversary trip there. But thank you for just being an outstanding guest and having this great conversation with me and my listeners on this episode of the Responsible Leadership Podcast.
1: Thank you, Earl. It's been a great pleasure. all right, folks, there you have it. Another great show about
0: responsible leadership. I really appreciate you listening. And if you have any feedback for me, please reach out at earl at leadership phalanx.com. That's E-A-R-L at leadership, dot com. Thank you for rating, reviewing, subscribing, and sharing the show so these messages can spread further and make a bigger impact. With that, I look forward to speaking with you again in the next episode.
1: Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed.
0: Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices.